0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode, I explore Graham Hill's 2011 TED Talk, Less Stuff, More Happiness. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode. Today, we'll be exploring Graham Hill's 2011 TED Talk, Less Stuff, More Happiness. Writer and designer Graham Hill asks, can having less stuff in less room lead to more happiness? He makes the case for taking up less space and lays out three rules for editing your life. And I should say before we get into the clips that I am a big proponent of tiny houses, minimalism, and associated efforts of individuals to just reconnect with their humanity, reconnect with nature, to declutter, to uh, free yourself of the stress and anxiety and financial obligations that are required oftentimes by having more space, more stuff. Now, you may be wondering why... Am I focusing on this in this week's Inspiring TED Talks episode? Why am I focusing on minimalism and uh, editing your life and decluttering? And how does this apply to the workplace? That's a reasonable question. But I hope as we get into the clips and as I share some more of my thoughts, you'll start to see how some of these principles might carry over into the physical space of an organization, but also more from a metaphorical standpoint, Uh, what it might mean for your leadership style, and how you can approach interacting with your people in more sustainable and healthy ways. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip.
1: What's in the box? Whatever it is, it must be pretty important, because I've traveled with it, moved it from apartment to apartment to apartment. (laughs) Sound familiar? (laughs) Did you know that we Americans have about three times the amount of space we did 50 years ago? Three times. So you'd think with all this extra space, we'd have plenty of room for all our stuff, right? Nope. <laughs> There's a new industry in town, a $22 billion, 2.2 billion square foot industry that of personal storage. So we've got triple the space, but we become such good shoppers that we need even more space. So where does this lead? Lots of credit card debt, huge environmental footprints, and perhaps not coincidentally, our happiness levels flatline over the same 50 years. Well, I'm here to suggest there's a better way, that less might actually equal more. I bet most of us have experienced at some point the joys of less. College, in your dorm, traveling in a hotel room, camping where you got basically nothing, maybe a boat. Whatever it was for you, I bet that among other things, this gave you a little more freedom, a little more time. So I want to suggest that less stuff and less space are going to equal smaller footprint. It's actually a great way to save you some money, and it's going to give you a little more ease in your life. So I started a project called Life Edited at lifeedited.org to further this conversation and to find some great solutions in this area.
0: I think we can all relate to his opening little vignette with the box. Now you can't see the video, but he brings a box out with him on the stage and he asks, you know, what is in the box? What can be so important? And it's so relatable because we've all done it. We've all had that box of stuff that we haven't opened in a decade or more. And it just moves with us every time we move and we never open it. We just know it's important stuff. We need that, Uh, but we never open it. We never use it. So is it really that important? That's a good question. And as we think about, the complexity of our lives and the clutter within our lives, whether it be the physical stuff or the emotional stuff, the psychological stuff and baggage that we carry around with us, how much of that is really truly necessary. And the reality is I think most of it isn't. I've been in that same place as he's describing towards the end of that first clip where, you know, some of my most freeing and liberating times are when I'm traveling with just a little carry on bag and traveling around the world or when I have a chance to just really get back to basics and only focus on what's most important. And I think that's ultimately the message of this uh, video. Uh, Even though he's focusing on stuff, I think we can apply it into our lives in various aspects. How do we create a more sustainable life? How do we reduce our footprint, uh, both physically in terms of our carbon footprint, our impact on the environment, but how do we reduce any of the other negative impacts that we might have in the world around us. And how do we do that? Not only individually, but how do we do it as leaders and how do we do it within our organizations? How do we help our organizations to become more sustainable? How do we save money both in terms of physical space as we start to declutter and, and focus on what's most important. Uh, but also how can we, when we consider the, the organizational perspective, how can we use these principles to help us have more sustainable, healthy organizations where everyone has a chance to focus on what they're good at and thrive rather than being stuck in this system that gets continually overloaded with new policies, practices, procedures. The, the policy cart is overflowing and just trying to navigate the bureaucracy becomes so difficult. How much of the stuff in that cart is really necessary? How much of of those uh, procedural um, bureaucratic elements are really necessary? I think these are all the types of questions we need to be asking ourselves as we start to explore the possibility of editing our organizations, editing our leadership style, editing our life.
1: First up, crowdsourcing my 420 square foot apartment in Manhattan with partners Mutopo and Javoto.com. I wanted it all. Home office sit-down dinner for 10, room for guests, and all my kite-surfing gear. With over 300 entries from around the world, I got it, my own little jewel box. By buying a space that was 420 square feet instead of 600, immediately I'm saving 200 grand. Smaller space is going to make for smaller utilities, save some more money there, but also a smaller footprint. And because it's really designed around an edited set of possessions, my favorite stuff, and really designed for me, I'm really excited to be there. So how can you live little? Three main approaches. First of all, you need to edit ruthlessly. We've got to clear the arteries of our lives. That shirt that I haven't worn in years, it's time for me to let it go. We've got to cut the extraneous out of our lives, and we've got to learn to stem the inflow. We need to think before we buy ask ourselves, is that really going to make me happier, truly? By all means, we should buy and own some great stuff. But we want stuff that we're going to love for years, not just stuff.
0: I like his example of the apartment and really pushing himself to get a 420-square-foot apartment instead of a 600-square-foot apartment. Now, clearly, this is going to be cheaper when he's in such a, uh, an expensive city. So the real estate itself is cheaper, Uh, utilities are cheaper, but really as he couples that with a very rigorous editing of his life and really focusing on what matters most uh, among his possessions is most important and only taking those things that really truly matter and discarding the rest and not allowing that baggage to dictate the size of an apartment uh, or how he handles different aspects of his life moving forward. Now, again, I think as this relates to organizations, the physical implications are clear. Let's reduce our carbon footprint. Let's uh, reduce the physical space required for our, uh, our company when possible. And let's declutter the, the, the actual physical stuff, but also let's think about the, the more metaphorical stuff. Now, given the the current environment within this pandemic, I think many organizations are already grappling with this question of, you know, this massive amount of office space and everyone has been working largely remotely for the past year, and so it's been sitting empty. And many organizations are reconsidering how much space do we actually need? There are core elements that that are needed, and once the pandemic's over, there are going to be people returning, but it'll probably be more in a hybrid fashion And they simply, uh, most organizations aren't going to need the amount of physical space that they had previously. So there's a tremendous amount of cost savings to be had just by editing down what is truly necessary within the organization. Let's challenge the assumptions that we have. Let's challenge the norms and the traditions of what it means to have a successful office space. And let's focus on what really matters and what's going to help the organization be successful. Now, on the other hand, as I've alluded to multiple times already in this episode, there's also just all the other stuff of an organization, all the cultural baggage of an organization, all the bureaucratic baggage of an organization. And what I see uh, in many organizations is that their their hand, employee handbook and their policy manuals just grow and grow and grow over time because some new situation comes up and then they come up with a new policy, new practices and procedures to support that policy and ultimately, over time, it becomes completely unwieldy. And you're just you're just hauling around this massive uh, hindering type of set of procedures and, and policies and practices that are going to keep you from accomplishing what you need to do. And it's going to take people so much of their time. It's going to be a full-time job just to make sure that you're in compliance with company policy. And so I think it's really very important that we edit our employee handbooks literally and figuratively edit our employee handbooks but really from a, a more metaphorical standpoint let's take a step back let's uh conceptually let's consider what we really truly need and let's simplify i think that's the moral of this story is let it simplify and that will allow us to thrive and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations.
1: Secondly, our new mantra, small is sexy. We want space efficiency. We want things that are designed for how they're used the vast majority of the time not that rare event. Why have a six burner stove when you rarely use three? So we want things that nest, we want things that stack, and we want to digitize. You can take paperwork, books, movies, and you can make it disappear. It's magic.
0: Space efficiency is key. So again, now, if we think about the literal physical space of an office, what about that Huge boardroom. How often does it actually get used? Is it just for board meetings? Is it uh, just for these big client presentations that happen, you know, every once in a while? Uh, if that's the case, then you might want to con- reconsider the use of your physical space. Now, if you if you use a nice fancy boardroom and you use it all the time, then that's fine. It's obviously serving a function um, that's important to the organization. But my experience has been that many. Of those types of spaces are vastly underutilized and uh, and really it's, it's so expensive, uh, especially if you're in a very expensive uh, real estate market. And so how can you consider the type of, uh, the needs that you have and the type of space that goes along with it? Can you have a multi-purpose area uh, that can serve both as uh, a good meeting place when those big meetings have to happen or when a board meeting has to happen. Or perhaps where you can have employee workstations that are transportable, uh, that, that you can uh, move out and repurpose the space for, for board meetings or other important meetings. Uh, or there are even companies cropping up, uh, it's actually been around for a while, where you can simply have your office space and then have a shared conference room. Uh, or a shared boardroom, or you can just rent the boardroom out when necessary. Uh, That way you don't have to pay for it all the time. You're only paying for it when you use it. These are the types of things I think every organization should be thinking about. I was part of an organization uh, fairly recently, and they went through this exercise. Uh, This was pre-pandemic, but they went through this exercise of really reconsidering how much of this square footage do they actually need in their office space. And as they were going through, you know, calculating, Uh, the cost of that square footage and what they currently had versus when their lease was up on their office and where they could go in exchange, they were able to save about 50% of their office expense just by downsizing, uh, fairly minimal downsizing even. But through downsizing, they were in focusing on what they truly needed. They were able to save quite a bit and they still had plenty of space for all their people to do all the functions that they needed. So think creatively, think about multi-purpose furniture, think about um, movable walls and, and other things like that that might allow you to repurpose space and use it in different ways at different points in time. I think in terms of practical tips of this video, this is one of the most important ones. Whether you're living in a small apartment or a tiny house or you're in an office, you need to think about how you can use that space most efficiently.
1: Finally, we want multifunctional spaces and housewares. A sink combined with a toilet. A dining table becomes a bed, same space. A little side table stretches out to seat 10. In the winning life-edited scheme in a render here, we combine a moving wall with transformer furniture to get a lot out of the space. Look at the coffee table. It grows in height and width, to seat 10. My office folds away, easily hidden. My bed just pops out of the wall, two fingers. Guests move the moving wall, have some fold-down guest beds. And of course, my own movie theater. So I'm not saying that we all need to live in 420 square feet, but consider the benefits of an edited life. Go from 3,000 to 2,000, from 1,500 to 1,000. Most of us, Maybe all of us are here pretty happily for a bunch of days with a couple bags, maybe small space, hotel room. So when you go home and you walk through your front door, take a second and ask yourselves, could I do with a little life editing? Would that give me a little more freedom? Maybe a little more time? What's in the box? It doesn't really matter. I know I don't need it. What's in yours? Maybe just maybe less might equal more. so let's make room for the good stuff. Thank you.
0: It doesn't really matter what's in the box, does it? If you're not utilizing it, um, then you do clearly don't need it whenever possible. If you have memories, if you have memorabilia that you want to be able to keep but you don't want to have to, to physically keep or haul around, digitize it whenever possible. Uh, find other ways that you, can, that you can keep it around without having to have the physical stuff. Otherwise, let's edit our lives, let's simplify, let's get back to the basics, focus on what's really necessary. In my personal life, that's one of the reasons why I'm fascinated with tiny houses. Now, everyone who knows me knows it's a bit of a joke because I have a large family. I have six children, and I always tease my wife about wanting to move into a 250-square-foot tiny house with uh, the eight people in our family, and everyone thinks I'm insane, uh, and I am probably am insane uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, I actually think we could totally do it, um, but I, I'm not going to ask that of my wife and my kids. But the reality is, what can we do to declutter? What can we do to simplify? What can we do to utilize the existing space that we have before looking for new spaces? And again, whether this is in our personal lives, at home, whether it's uh, how we interact uh, in our communities uh, and community organizations we may be a part of, or if it's in the workplace, there are lots of things I think we can do as we take a step back and really consider the use of both physical space, but also uh, our mental bandwidth, our emotional bandwidth, and we think about the, the physical, the the emotional, the the spiritual, the psychological baggage that we may carry around, what can we get rid of? And as leaders, what do we need to focus on with our people? And what can we get rid of? Because so often leaders focus on things that just don't matter. Uh, most of the things that can be measured don't matter. And most of the things that matter can't be measured. That old saying is very true. And so if, if we're spending all of our time running around, spinning our wheels, focusing on things that don't actually matter, don't actually make a difference for our people and their productivity and their happiness and well-being and engagement and ultimately success and innovation and productivity, you know, if, if we're not focusing on those right things, we can be spinning our wheels, working super hard and not accomplishing anything. So let's focus on what matters. Let's disregard the rest uh, and, and, and set it aside. And in so doing, it's going to be so freeing. We are going to have more time to focus on the things that matter because we're not chasing our tails, trying to focus on the the elements that don't matter. And ultimately, uh, we're going to find better outcomes for ourselves, for our people, for our teams, our organizations, our personal lives, our families, our communities. I'm a big believer in simplification and decluttering both our emotional selves and our physical selves. And I hope you'll consider how you might be able to do the same in your own lives and in your own leadership practices. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As always, I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.